Would you please turn with me to the book of Proverbs? You'll find the book of Proverbs at about the middle of your Bible. If you get to the Psalms, just go a little bit to the right and you'll find it. If you're visiting with us this morning, I would like to particularly welcome you. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful uh, summer morning here in Parksville. It never rains in Parksville. And so watch out for those realtors today uh, if you're visiting. <clears throat> They're nice people. <laughs> Our normal bread and butter these last few weeks has been from the book of Genesis. That series will continue again next week. Uh, Paul's given me the opportunity to begin uh, another series that has been our habit and practice to do alternate series at the same time. And this one will be called The Gospel Living. Proverbs chapter 9, and we'll read the whole text in a few moments, but draw attention to the first words of the text that says, Wisdom has built her house. And the incredible a gracious truth that that is, that not only that wisdom exists in the world, but that wisdom has built a house. Aren't you glad that wisdom has built a house? If there's a house that wisdom has built, I want to live in it. I hope that you want to live in the house that wisdom has built also. There's no place I would rather be than in the house that is built by wisdom. This sermon series, this new series that I will be introducing today called Gospel Living. What I mean by Gospel Living, I intend to say that Gospel Living is something that comes from that house of wisdom, that the greatest house of wisdom that has ever been built that God calls us to live in is built by the Gospel. And we're New Testament people, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I cannot merely say that I want to live in, in the house of wisdom. I can say that I want to live in the house that the gospel has built, that house of wisdom. And that is where I, I want to go with this series called Gospel Living. Yes, I want to live in the house that wisdom has built, but even more so, I want to live in the house of wisdom that the gospel builds. Because this is how the gospel builds its house of wisdom. The gospel builds its house of wisdom by proclaiming its good news to us. And the good news of the gospel is this, that God has found a way through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to saturate our life with his very presence. And that is a declaration. That is a, not only a, a message, but it is a reality of a God-saturated life that builds a house. And it builds the greatest house that wisdom has ever known. And it is a house that I very much want to live in. And that's what gospel living is all about. Living a God-saturated life. That's what I mean by the word gospel. I wonder if I asked you, what, what do you mean by, or what would you say the word gospel means? It's a word that's so very, very familiar to us. And one of the challenges is to take things that are so important, but they've become common. And the extraordinary has become ordinary. But to pick that extraordinary thing up, which the gospel is, and show it for all of its beauty and its value. And that's what gospel living is all about. Gospel, I will work over the course of this series to define it over and over and over again, but I'll go with that today. The gospel is the good news that God has found a way 
to saturate our life with his very presence. And so I'm working through a couple of main points this morning. The first main point is the main point of the series of, of gospel living. And that is, it is this, the main point of the series will be this, that the gospel of Jesus is a message that saves us. And that is very good news. But it is also a message by which we live. It is a message of wisdom for living that permeates every aspect of our life. And it permeates every aspect of our life because the gospel declares new realities to us that are relevant for every aspect of our life. In other words, the gospel isn't merely a message that we, we believe. It's a message that declares things that become true in our life that weren't true before. And if wisdom is aligning our life with realities that are true, then gospel living, gospel wisdom, is aligning our life with the realities that the gospel has made true. I hope you understand that, that basic idea of a wisdom, that it, it's, a, it's an alignment with reality. I find it wisdom to not jump out of airplanes because the reality is is that you shouldn't do that. <laughs> the reality is gravity. People charge money to, to let you do that. It's, it's, uh, it, it's really something. <clears throat> These are the realities that gospel living corresponds to. And gospel living corresponds to these realities because they are the realities that are, are, are declared and made true in the gospel. Listen to what those realities are. They are, first of all, fellowship with God. That is a new reality with us. And gospel living has all everything to do with that gospel reality penetrating into the depth of our thinking. Fellowship with the Lord God Almighty, the holy God who created all things. That is a reality that is only created in the gospel. Another reality created by the gospel is a brand new identity. We are adopted as children of God. That is something that didn't, that's a reality that does not exist outside of the gospel. And gospel living is aligning our lives with that new reality. I'm not the same person anymore. Another reality is the, the reality of, of righteousness, taking people who are so deeply flawed and full of sin and made declared the reality that we are righteous in Jesus Christ. And the the love and affection for God that that creates also is evidenced by a, a new life of living righteous things, learning to think righteously, live righteously, talk righteously, buy righteously, sing righteously. Everything is permeated with that new reality. And the, another reality is a changed citizenship. that didn't exist before, the gospel. The glorious good news of God saturating us with his very presence through Jesus Christ changes our citizenship. It makes us sojourners in this world. It changes our destination. It changes our path. It changes our understanding of the world and where we're going and why we're here. 
And so gospel living in as a series will attempt to show that, that by the word gospel, we don't only mean a message to be believed, but we mean a message that is to be continually believed by living it. And by living it, we show that we believe it. In other words, the gospel isn't something just for unbelievers. We're not finished with the gospel when we become Christians. God help us if we think that we ever reach a place where we no longer need the gospel. We'll move on to, to, to more mature things. The gospel is something that is proclaimed to us week in and week out to saturate our lives with God. If we ever cease to have a longing for and a desire to know and to hear the gospel every week as we gather as God's people, we'll shrivel up and die. It is the gospel that sustains us and gives us life. You'll notice, let me point out the obvious, that uh, uh, I like words. I like using words. In fact, you'll find on the, the sermon sheet this morning a list of words, and a list of words with buried definitions that come from the text and from the words that I'm using using this morning, but let me just make a, a simple observation of the words I'm using, a bit of a grammar lesson, that gospel living, one is a noun, one is an adjective. One is modifying the other. Guess what is being modified? Living, the noun is being modified. I've made the word gospel an adjective. I'm saying that, that living, which we, we, we go about in, in so many different ways, is modified in every way by the gospel. That's what I mean by gospel living. It's a very particular kind of living that is completely altered by the gospel. And I have found as a Christian that it's, it doesn't go, it doesn't penetrate deep enough into my head simply to say I want to live as a Christian. Because it seems like the word Christian is something that can be externalized and normalized within a culture of certain practices. I want to go deeper and say, well, to be a Christian is to understand the gospel. And to live a Christian life is to live a gospel life. The gospel modifies everything. We can take any noun or any verb of, of living, and there's a lot of verbs and a lot of nouns that are associated with life and with living. You can take all of those nouns and all of those verbs, and you can make the gospel its adjective or its adverb. All of you can think, but do you know what gospel thinking is? Thinking modified by the gospel. All of you have an identity, but do you know what a gospel identity is? Completely modified by the gospel. All of us have treasure, but do you know what gospel treasure is? All of these things are, are, are a part of life, a part of living. You know what Christian marriage is? Do you know what gospel marriage is? Do you know what Christian parenting is? Do you know what gospel parenting is? All of us work. Do you know what gospel work is? 
gospel recreation, gospel hope, gospel suffering, gospel unity, gospel speaking, gospel relationships, gospel worship. You can see that it's a, it's a series that's going to get me right through to retirement. <laughs> There's no end <laughs> to the verbs and the nouns of life that I can put the word gospel before. And so I, I'm, my last sermon will be called Gospel Retirement. to hold Paul accountable and myself for what retirement looks like if your life is God-saturated. I hope I'm not boring you. The gospel modifies everything. Nothing modifies the gospel. And you put any word before the gospel, you've changed the gospel. It's not a gospel. The gospel modifies. The gospel is the modifier. It changes everything. Growing up, I thought gospel music was a quartet. I hope we know as a church what gospel music is. The pro proclamation of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in a way that saturates our life with God for the week ahead. That's gospel music. I thought gospel preaching was something done on the street corner for unbelievers. Gospel preaching is the week-by-week -week faithful understanding of getting to Christ no matter what text we're in. It might even help you understand a little bit about the culture of our church here. We're not chasing anything except the gospel. I read a t-shirt the other day that said, Islanders against everything. <laughs> Do you ever feel like Christians are like that? Parksville Baptist against everything. <laughs> The gospel is a fundamentally positive message. We're for the gospel. And yes, we stand against everything that opposes and perverts and denies the gospel. But week in and week out, gospel preaching is a positive affirmation of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus Christ. For example, in Genesis chapter 5, have you noticed that Paul each week, through a genealogy, getting us to the gospel, our Lord died. He lived and he died. Every week, gospel preaching. Proverbs chapter 9. I'm going to read the text in three parts as it naturally seems to break apart. The first one part is a, is a beautiful invitation, a gracious invitation to the simple. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has set out her young woman to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Verse 7, the next chunk of the text introduces us to the scoffer. Scoffing is what people who hate wisdom do. And these verses are a clear admonition to the scoffer. 
as I find myself of that character quite often. That those who scoff and prefer self-rule will also find self-destruction. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Verse 13 begins a word of warning. Warning uh, of something called folly. Folly is loud, seductive, and ignorant. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Here's what I think the main point of, of Proverbs chapter 9 is. Is that God's wisdom is the house that God builds to shelter us. And it is a gracious provision. Nobody could command that wisdom should build a house for us to live in. No one could make wisdom build a house for us. But wisdom has built a house, and that is the graciousness of it. A gracious provision, and it is a place of refuge, as it is described. In other words, it is a safe place. You ever walk into somebody's home, and you feel like, I feel safe here. It is a provisioning place. In other words, it is a place where people under its roof are sustained and whatever famishes them. And it is a life or a house rather that, that bears up all the weight of life. That is what the pillars are for. A house is characterized by, by what's in it. Again, I'm going to say that's because that's why the gospel is so significant as a house of wisdom, because of what's in it. We moved to the island a few years ago, and soon afterwards, both of our daughters that came here with us were married and living in the area, but not yet on places of their own. And so they lived with us for short periods of time, and their son-in-law has got the opportunity to live in the Nielsen house. 
I mean, you know what that's what's like to, to live in, in somebody else's house. It, it's, the, the character of the home is, is affected by the people who have built it and live in it. Something about our heritage, something about our personalities, something about why we don't clean off the knife from the butter before we put it in the honey. There's just something about it. Well, the house of wisdom is a house that is characterized by the presence of God. He builds it. And he builds it for our safety, he builds it for our provision. And Proverbs chapter 9 then goes on to contrast the two houses. Using personification. Two ladies. Wisdom is a lady. Folly is a lady. And they are two competing houses for the simple. And the two women are contrasted by way of their two invitations to these two different houses, but their invitation goes to the same person, and that is to the simple. And that's where we all begin. Being simple isn't wrong. Staying simple is. <laughs> we all begin simply. In other words, needing wisdom. Wisdom is something that heals simplicity because time can't. It doesn't matter how old we get. Yes, we'll learn not to jump out of airplanes. But there's so much of, of life that yet needs to be learned by the house of wisdom that doesn't merely come from experience. Let me point out some of the contrasts of the text. One of them clearly is an invitation to a great seduction. The house of folly is a great seduction. The other one is a great grace. That's a contrast be between being seduced and given grace. The other, another contrast is that one seems to have the aim of boasting. Look what I've done. A scoffing is similar to boasting. Look at what I've done. Look at how I, I, I live. Look at my stolen water. Look at how I rule myself. Look at how I don't have to listen to anybody. And the other house is characterized not with boasting, but of, of receiving a gift receiving kindness that's, that's undeserved, that's unmerited. Come into this house and I will shelter you and I will feed you. One seems to imply the promise of self-rule. Go your own way, it's okay, do what you want. Self-governance, autonomy. That Voice of folly is loud in our streets and it knows nothing about safety. It knows nothing about provisioning the famished. But the other implies surrender. Surrender to the house of wisdom. Leave your simple ways, wisdom says. <laughs> Put it down. Walk away from it. Leave it. One knows absolutely nothing. And the other house, the house of wisdom, 
knows everything. And I'm so thankful for that. Where does wisdom get its knowledge? Why does wisdom have, have so much to give? Where, where does wisdom get what it imparts as a gift to give safety and sustenance to those that come into it? How can wisdom do that? Why should we surrender to wisdom? Well, wisdom was there at the beginning, that's why. Wisdom knows the kind of life that corresponds to reality because wisdom was there when those realities were created. Chapter 8 says that very plainly. Proverbs chapter 8, perhaps just across the page from your Bible, if it's open to Proverbs 9, it says this of wisdom in verse 22 of chapter 8, that the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago, I was set up. I was there. I know all about those realities because I was there when they were created. But more than that, this house of wisdom invites us to the reality that, that is God himself. A few weeks ago, Pastor Andrew was leading our staff in staff devotions. And he, he made this statement. I think he was quoting somebody much more famous than himself. But we all do that. I thank the Lord for them. But he said this. He says, God is not merely wise. He is wisdom. God is not merely wise. He is wisdom. In other words, if wisdom is aligning our life and thinking to certain realities. God doesn't align himself to certain realities. God is that reality. He doesn't align with anything. He doesn't conform with anything. There's no need for integrity like we do. Integrity meaning a congruency between thinking, living, acting, and reality. God is that reality. And so wisdom for us is the ability to act and to think in a way that aligns with God. One final contrast. One is the place of death, very clear in the text. And the other is a house that is built for living. A house that's built for living. That's what the pillars are, are, are there for, to bear all of the weight. Imagine the, the roof above us as all of the weight of life. All of the things that, that if it weren't for structures, if, if it weren't for something to support it, they would crush us. And the house of wisdom is described as having seven pillars to bear up all of that weight, all of the weight of life. And it is said to have bread and to drink that sustains what famishes us in life. Now I, I want to conclude with this thought that, again, 
the gospel truth. The gospel truth is the greatest house of wisdom that has ever been built. It is a place where God most fully has declared himself to be seen and understood and experienced. In that house of the gospel is where wisdom is found for living. Everything that I have said about wisdom from Proverbs chapter 9 are most true in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There can be gospel living because the gospel has built a house of wisdom for living. And the, the gospel itself is described in the New Testament over and over and over again as wisdom. The Apostle Paul speaks of it often in the book of 1 Corinthians, and he talks to the Corinthians who, who thought they were wise, and he says, your, your, your wisdom of the world is foolishness. But, he says, there has appeared to you in the gospel wisdom from God. Why is the gospel wisdom? Why is it that Paul also says in Colossians chapter 2 that in, it's in the gospel that are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? It's because in the gospel is the truth of all of those realities that are created anew for us. In the gospel, realities are declared to us that we can't afford to resolve to be simple towards, not remain simple towards. We all begin simply, but to love simplicity leads to folly. And to enter into the house of wisdom that the gospel has built is to begin to align our lives with the realities that the gospel has declared. And those realities again are, I'm going to be going over these again and again and again to show us how this permeates and, and saturates our life with God in such a way to change everything. But it, the gospel is where it declared to us the glorious love of God. And learning to live our lives in a way that aligns with the truth that God loves us is gospel living. To be adopted as God's children by the Holy Spirit is a reality that is declared in the gospel and wisdom of the gospel aligns ourselves with that true righteousness and our eternal inheritance is now in heaven. Those are the realities that, the, that give gospel wisdom to every aspect of our life as we learn to think and act in ways that align with them. And at Christmas time, we talk about the incarnation as God enfleshment. Well, the gospel is a God in, in saturation of our lives. And it's something that we need to have integrity in. It's something that we need to set the threshold of our, of our living to understand what does it look like to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? 
A Christian is where the gospel thrives. And a Christian church is where the gospel thrives. Not for our own benefit, but for the glory of God. And so that's what this series will hope to do. Gospel living. How God uses those realities to saturate our lives with himself. How we think. How we talk. How we, how we listen. How we spend. In all things. Would you please pray with me? Lord God, I pray that you would thrill our hearts each and every week with the glorious good news of the gospel. I pray that you would help us to treat it as it is, that, that special jewel that is worth selling everything in order to possess it. I pray that you would heal us and forgive us if there is any obstinacy in us if there is any way that we have defined Christian church, Christian living, Christian thinking in ways that conveniently accommodates the wisdom of the world in order to suit our own pleasures. Lord, I, I pray that, that you would help us as a people to lay hold of all of the realities that you declare to us each and every week in the gospel. May they change us. May they transform us for your glory. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. <clears throat>